0: Welcome back. This is episode eight of Conversations with the Mind. I'm your host, as always, Shane LeMaster. I want to take a minute and just thank everybody who is liking and supporting and listening to our podcast. That means a lot to us here. Um, I've been uh, getting more and more people coming up to me and talking to me about some of the topics uh, that they've heard on our podcast. And um, it just it feels so good to to reach people at their own level and and have them respond in the way they do. So please continue to like and share our podcast. It depends on you guys uh, to get the word out. Um, trying to do my part here. So um, we are always sponsored by my private practice consulting company, MindOps. You can find us at www.mind-ops.com. We're a full service um, I consider ourselves a a mobile, uh, sort of a mobile unit, mobile therapy unit, and um, we do private practice, consulting and counseling for addictions, for general uh, mental health issues. Um, We have specialties in sport and performance psychology, so really enhancing um, and uh, perfecting mental states and and control over thoughts and emotions and things like that. Um, We also do psychedelic integration therapies um, through our experiences um, and our education in that realm as well. So uh, if you have any mental health issues or you have addiction issues or you just want to improve um, your mental well-being as well as improve how your mind functions in general um, so it can serve you better, um, you can always reach out to us and um, book, a, book your first free consultation at mindops.com. Um, so getting into the good news story of the day, we like to share one uh, good news story with all the listeners. Hopefully it will brighten your day a little bit in this world, uh, at least in our country, where we seem to be bombarded by all sorts of negative images and propaganda and news stories. Um, it's almost like they're trying to keep us in fear. Huh, figure that. So we want to um, share some good news with you today. Um, I get most of my good news stories uh, from the Good News Network. I just find that they—they're on top of their stuff. They're always posting uh, good stuff. And today I found an article that really kind of—you um, know—didn't didn't affect me personally, but it, it really kind of struck a heart chord with me because um, it—you know—being a Buddhist myself, I I try and um, spread compassion and uh, love and acceptance to everyone I come across. Um, Even if they're completely different, especially if they're completely different. Um, And in this case, um, this article is reporting um, from India. Um, And the the title of the article says, India passes historic ruling that decriminalizes homosexuality, which was punishable by up to life in prison. Pretty intense. So it says uh, the Supreme Court of India just passed uh, this ruling. Um, Homosexuality is no longer a criminal offense um it, it was a 150 year old law that was repealed um and was instated during the british colonial rule um so pretty sweet for india um it's all, also awesome to be able to see you know what was considered a third world country in recent history um making so much progress. Uh, to me, you know, seeing progress in these first world countries is is great, you know, but really seeing the progress happen in, in more impoverished countries um, that have been more under more oppressive rule is, is even more impressive to me. So um, I thought I'd share that with people. I thought it was kind of cool. Um, so anyway, uh, today we have a very special guest, um, a good friend of mine, uh, Spencer Bath. So Spencer and I met Uh, about four years ago at Z's training gym. Um, And it's kind of strange we only met four years ago because we both lived in this area our whole lives. Um, uh, Spencer's has a successful business here in the community. And I grew up in Loveland and Fort Collins. So uh, I was really surprised that we hadn't crossed paths before, especially since we had so much in common right off the bat. Um, not only a, an interest in jiu and an interest in pushing ourselves physically, but also um, interest in um, exploring ourselves, exploring our minds, exploring ourselves through psychedelic states and other altered states of consciousness, um, which, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I get altered states of consciousness from jiu-jitsu very often. Um, so anyway, I met Spencer four years ago. We hit it off. Um, we trained together for a little while, and then... Um, and then I didn't see for a while you know Spencer went off on a on a journey of his own um to find himself and um and then recently in the last couple of months came back to the gym and I'm so happy to see you and to train with you again and to see this new glow and light that you're you're bringing um whereas before you know a lot of what you would Talk about your personal life in, in the gym would be a lot of dark stuff, negative stuff that was going on. And now you come into the gym and it's it's a whole new light. Like you're talking about personal growth and, and change and new insights and um, some psychedelic journeying as well that you, you went through. Yeah, so welcome. Um, I want to uh, to open it up. I always ask this question right off the bat to all my guests. Um, so the, the podcast is called Conversations with the Mind and I've explained in the first episode sort of what that means to me. So, um, if you're interested in what my opinion is, uh, go listen to that episode. If you're not, then great. Um, but I want to ask you that question, Spencer. You know, what does the title of this podcast, "Conversations with the Mind," what does that mean to you? How does that resonate with you? And what thoughts come into your head about that phrase?
1: Well, when I when I think about conversations with the mind. Um... You know, that seems to be like a left-brain-centered, intellectual pursuit. And I really think when you're connecting with someone, you know, it's from the right brain, from the heart space. You know, it's really a spiritual uh, frequency connection. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what comes to mind you know, okay. when you bring that up.
0: So for you, when you hear that phrase, um, and in psychology we study this too, uh, especially the field of energy psychology, um... Yeah, so we have two hemispheres in our brain. Um, most of us are left-brained and therefore right-handed, um, so we're more pragmatic, more um, plan-oriented. These types of things, organized. Um, left-handed people tend to be more creative because they're accessing the right side of their brain more often, which is this creative, emotional um, side of the brain. And for most of most humans, um, both sides of the brain don't communicate. Simultaneous with right. with each other, right? They're alternating all the time, uh, bouncing back and forth, and utilizing whatever tools are most effective for the situation. Um, and we have this other, more ancient part of our brain, um, more towards the brainstem. Um, you know, this could be—it's called the limbic system a lot of, a lot of time. But this is where we pick up on those frequencies, those emotional connections between people. And um, so that's like when you when you fall in love with someone, or when you you meet somebody and you know that they're going to be like a lifelong friend, right? Um, that's accessing that limbic system. Uh, we th- we therapists kind of have to train in that to be able to connect with someone right, right. where they're at and feel it. For you have a to get bit.
1: your intellectual brain out of the way.
0: Exactly. You got to turn off the the most useful, most recent development in our brain, the cognitive or the cortex, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the neocortex, cortex. But yeah, you got to go deeper. You got to go to that more ancient brain to really connect. That's huge and the thing about psychedelics that I love is we're finding in some of the research that there is a bridge between the left and right hemispheres um, and that's where it communicates back and forth corpus Um, callosum yes exactly and so psychedelics um, allow that flow to open up right it's like they open up the floodgates a little bit and now both sides of the brain are communicating simultaneously with numerous million times more connections. With all your chakras blown open. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and that's why we come to some of these insights, these uh, answers that we could have never thought before because we were either operating in one or the other, but we needed both to communicate together to come up with that idea.
1: Right, it's a process yeah. of getting yourself out of the
0: way. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's a very good way to put it. Um, I often think about getting, when, I, when you say that, like getting the ego out of the way the concept of self, right, of being independent from the collective.
1: Right, it's tapping into, some people call it the Akashic Records or or Gnosis, knowing Mm -hmm. without learning.
0: Yep, Um, I know Nikola Tesla uh, had some accounts too where he said, well, at the time he thought he was communicating with aliens and they were projecting these ideas in his head but other scientists, um, you know, I believe, were accessing those Akashic rec- records, you know, somehow finding that frequency that we all have the potential to do, and d- sort of like downloading from the matrix this right. information. Um, Steve Jobs came up with the idea for an iPod while he was tripping, mm-hmm. right? So he wasn't able to come up with that idea until both hemispheres were communicating. All sorts of people are doing that now. Um, but your journey was a little bit different. Your journey uh, was not necessarily for performance enhancement, like a lot of mine has been. Um, some of mine, half of mine, some of it's the other half spiritual. Um, but for you, it, it seems like your path through psychedelics was um, definitely for healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so would you mind sharing with the audience? Your... Sure. Um, yeah.
1: So I like... have you know, a history of addiction on and off, or should I more accurately say progressive? 'Cause you know, it tends to get worse over time or what always. Kinds of addictions? Does. Um, you know, I started with alcohol in high school and of course, you know, saturated through college. But of course, you know, everybody in my social circle was doing that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was normal, you know, sure. it wasn't really a problem. Or it was, but it wasn't looked at as problematic.
0: Yeah, it was part of the culture.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. It was definitely cultural and then um you know, after college, again, my social circle uh introduced me to OxyContin. Mm. and back then um you know, for I, recreation, mm-hmm yep, not that it was wise to experiment, but there wasn't the abundance of information out you know there weren't you didn't have the death toll and mm-hmm. and we didn't i mean I didn't really know what it was, and it took it took a couple years to get its hooks in, but you know once something like that that gets us so, and it would have been anything else you mm-hmm. know that's just the nature of addiction sure
0: but that one is particularly dangerous yeah to latch on to mm-hmm. um, my own addiction history i had periods of time where i latched on to a number of drugs mm-hmm. uh, prescription opiates after surgeries to cocaine to methamphetamines to you know i had my 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 years with all those things, right. um, and it, the addiction doesn't care what you latch onto. Um, it'll take anything. It'll take anything. <laughs> yeah. And all addiction is is dopamine and serotonin being released into your brain, right? All these drugs are um, transmitted into or transformed into those chemicals, the pleasure chemicals, right? And it doesn't matter where you get it, right? Right? Alcohol was probably my worst because it was the most available, right? right? And I think. You know, I'm pretty sure psychedelics had a big effect on my getting off of those as well. I would guess, yeah. Mm -hmm. And
1: did that come through mushrooms or?
0: Um, Well, actually, I got sober um, initially without anything. You know, I went through standardized treatment, a 30-day inpatient, and then a 90-day follow-up inpatient, um, then came home and got got plugged in right away to AA and other 12-step groups, got a sponsor, worked the steps, um, and stayed clean um, through meetings. Um, and then I, you know, five years in, I probably wasn't getting any more from it, um, and so I went a different path. And I, f- I remembered that in college I had studied some shamanism, mm-hmm. um, and I remembered that they had used some of these psychedelic drugs that I had used recreationally in the past to cure things like alcoholism and things like that. And I was like, well, shit, like, I never gave that a try. Um, well, I can't remember the name of one of the uh, creators of AA,
1: but he created it after, yeah, yeah. after a mushroom
0: trip. There was an LSD trip. Or
1: LSD. Yeah.
0: yeah, he actually wanted to add that as the 13th step uh, <laughs> to do LSD because he said it was foundational in being able to open up those channels for that spiritual experience. mm mm-hmm. um, yeah so so for me um I came in came back into psychedelics late in my sobriety, but since I started using them intentionally to help strengthen that part of my recovery, um, recovery has been so much better um, so much more happiness that I find um, so much more meaning and purpose in my life, um, in the way that I fit into the cosmos um, less fear, you know, less fear-based behaviors. Right. Those behaviors are changing, right? The addictive behaviors. I mean, I still have a couple vices, but I'm constantly working on them. Mm-hmm. And I'm constantly looking to improve rather than trying to point out everything that's going wrong in my life, right? And that's how I was in addiction.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
0: just like, life is shit, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I had
1: somewhat of a similar path. I, I had actually experimented with mushrooms quite a few times. And I actually grew them through college. Nice. But it always seemed to be you know like enhancing the party you know mm-hmm. I never really got anything spiritual from it mm-hmm. um, and I think you know from what I know now I may have been using it in the wrong way I think you're supposed to lay back in a mm-hmm. dark room and
0: closed-eyed um,
1: go inside yourself yep. not exactly not explore you know what you think is out there mm-hmm. um, so that never that never helped initially um, but of course my mind has always been open to things And then, you know, I, I, um, of course, you know, uh, addiction gets worse and worse. And, um, I did, uh, it was like a three month inpatient Narconon, Mm -hmm. total torture, nightmare. Mm
0: -hmm. Why was it torture?
1: Well, that, that place was, is owned by the church of Scientology
0: Oh really? I didn't know that they had that
1: connection. Yeah, so you go there and nobody's trained in therapy. Hmm. Uh, the only staff they have there are, are addicts that have come through and are scared to leave, so they get a job there, hmm. you know, to run the gulag. Hmm. <laughs> and it was a complete nightmare. But it was it was the first time I'd been sober in years. Hmm. So when I got out, you know, I did, you know, I tried AA and and exercise and diet. And but what I noticed now was that it just took a massive amount of energy just to try and stay sober, sure,
0: because you're battling it at every corner,
1: yeah, every thought, mm hmm, yeah. And of course, that didn't work, you know, slowly, first it's alcohol, then you know, it's not long before you're back in the driver's seat where you want to be, yep. And then I tried um, a 30 day. Uh, outpatient in Denver where they use IVs
0: every day and amino acids and Mm. claim to repair your brain. Yeah, the IV vitamin drips and Mm -hmm. things like that. I've heard of that and um, my my wife, it's... It's kind of awesome to say my wife now. <laughs> we got married on Monday and you were there. Thanks for being there. Um, but she talks to me all the time about um, IV drips and she, that's what she's learning about right now mm-hmm. in her medical nutrition. It's pretty amazing yeah. how restorative that can be to your system just to rebalance your vitamins because they're so malnourished. During especially addiction. your
1: brain chemistry. But the problem is is it doesn't address uh, the underlying trauma sure. and the spiritual mm-hmm. aspects of addiction. And from what I've learned, you know, more recently, most or all of addiction addiction really is a coping mechanism to suppress trauma. Yep. And that comes from that doctor in uh, Vancouver, I think his name is Gaber Mate. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with him. Absolutely. Yeah. So um then, you know, of course I got back into addiction again and um and I found a uh, you know, I did tons of research, and I had been looking at ibogaine for quite some time. Mm-hmm. But when I first looked at it, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of information. It was it was sold really as a panacea, where you could, you know, go down to Mexico, um, still being on heroin or or opiates, mm-hmm. uh, spend two or three days, you know, under the influence of ibogaine, and then you'd wake up and it would cure your Uh, your addiction problems and your withdrawals. Sure, that's the story we hear about it. Which, it sounds, you know, too good to be true, and I really think that's probably the case. But I ended up finding a place in Mexico um, it was vegan-based, and the intent was a complete detox of the liver, pancreas, Mm -hmm. you know, your whole body, whole body, mind. Um, They also did the IV drips there Mm
0: -hmm. daily. Yep. So preparatory. Mm-hmm. So in um, in ayahuasca circles, that's called a dieta, mm-hmm. or the the preparatory diet for the for the ceremony. Um, Peyote ceremonies do this similar thing, um, but a little bit different uh, combination. Um, but just to back up a little bit mm-hmm. uh, before you go further, because a lot of our listeners don't know what ayahuasca even is. Okay. Right. So um, can you explain to them, from your knowledge of it, what uh, what ayahuasca is, where it comes from? Um, I know that there's also um, a big push in the psychedelic communities right now to make it more sustainable because of the land stripping in Africa for this uh, for this plant.
1: Right. So, yeah, I think it is becoming increasingly hard to attain, but it's I, I believe it's the most powerful hallucinogen known. Um, it is from Africa. and I'm not sure, you know, what country exactly or mm-hmm. what tribe, but. Um, yeah, it's been used successfully to treat addicts for I think around 30 years and only more recently really, you know, with the internet has
0: come, you know, to prominence. Right. Well, 30 years of, to our knowledge. Right. Know, this, this plant was probably used in traditional African shamanism. For Africans. of years. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. by medicine men. Uh, we're just now figuring it out. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a it's a plant. It's uh, and they use mostly the root, right? Yeah, it's a root. Yeah, right. And I think they use it to
1: contact their ancestors and mm-hmm. um, dead ones. And
0: now ayahuasca is not one that I have personal experience with, but I do have experience with um, peyote and ayahuasca, and both of those, um, you know, ayahuasca is a bit more visionary. Um, you see a lot of visions. Peyote's not so much for me, but it's very somatic. So you feel energies moving around in your body. Um, can you describe what what I gained feels like? Is it somatic or more cognitive?
1: Well, I want <clears throat> to
0: talk a little bit about the place. The yeah, place yeah. I went to was Sorry. called the Holistic
1: Sanctuary, and I think they're probably the best providers at this point because they don't sell you. They don't try and sell you a ten day package. You know, mm-hmm. turnaround. Um, when I was there, they actually took me to a cardiologist first to protect mm-hmm. your heart because it is an extremely dangerous or can be a dangerous hallucinogen. Mm-hmm. And then they just set me up, you know, in a nice room on a bed with an eye mask. Um, but they had a doctor and two nurses there and hooked me up to a cardiograph. So during were, the experience, yeah, during the experience. Wow! And very so they, clinical. Very clinical. Um, and I think, you know, quite a few people. People have died in Mexico at some of these clinics. Yeah. So you really have to do your research and, and, and be careful where you go and, and, you know, it suggests not believing some of the, there's a lot of internet videos where people say, I went down there, you know, high as a kite, I tripped for a couple hours and woke up without withdrawals and mm-hmm. and and I think you could do a lot of damage to yourself if you attempt something like that. Sure.
2: Yeah, um, do your research. You know, you could end
1: up in the hospital in Mexico, and I think, you know, that happens quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they only sell you on the, you know, the 20% that have the miraculous recovery. Mm-hmm. As I was told by Johnny, the healer, who runs the place I went to, he said um, 20%, it doesn't work for at all. Mm-hmm. 20%, it's like a miracle. And then in, in between you have, you know,
0: it really depends on preparation, diet, Intention,
1: mm-hmm. intention. Uh,
0: how committed somebody is to this new idea that they can live a new sober life, right? Right. You in can't the, just In the, de- still be, in the uh, detox, you know. Yeah, totally. You don't want to show
1: up with all those drugs in your system. In your You're system. Asking for a, a total nightmare.
0: Right. So you went through a detox first.
1: Right. Was that hell? Uh, no, because the, IV, the IVs can... Can bring your withdrawals to almost nothing.
0: So mood wasn't too affected. Uh, Irritability
1: know, I, I, was probably up. Yeah, I had some healing reactions. <laughs> sure, sure. A little bit of a minor I was, personality. I was angry, change. but um, yeah. I've been ang- The thing is, I've been angry. Right, that's and what, I didn't realize that's it. what fueled the addiction. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, like I said, they you know uh, I just laid down on the bed. And they had me all hooked up, and you take five one ounce shots over over five hours this was a liquid i think most of what you see on the internet is like a pill mm-hmm. um they call it a flood dose and it was extremely visual but and you're you're tripping for about eight hours
2: mm-hmm.
1: hard though it's it's so hard that if you have to get up to go to the bathroom you, you can barely walk you have to have someone walk you just about yeah um i had an iv so i had the iv oh. pulled to wheel <laughs> nice. myself around but it's a it's extremely visual, mm-hmm. and um, but what it does, or what it did for me, was it, it's almost like what, how people describe a near-death experience.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's out of just, body, it's, almost,
1: or flat life flashes. It's running through yeah. all your memories, it's, your catalog, it's really mm-hmm. fast, and just wow. thousands of memories. And it's so fast that you can't. I can only remember a couple glimpses, even though I was under for eight hours. Um, and you, you don't, I guess, you know, there's some really loud buzzing, uh, kind of tribal buzzing, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard that buzzing sometimes, uh, with DMT. Yeah. It's similar to that. Mm -hmm. And you, and I felt just fantastic. Mm -hmm. Like
0: during the experience. Uh So very little fear coming up. Right. Right. Yeah. So a lot of times with some of the other psychedelics for addictions, um, there's a lot of fear and challenge. Uh, through those experiences, because you're you're literally reliving some of those traumas and reprocessing them in order to have them not affect you uh, in the future. This sounds like a more pleasurable um, recounting of the experiences, but so fast that you couldn't recall. Not I'm wondering, much. I'm wondering though, over the span of time, were you able to, at least, if not remember specific memories, pick out patterns among well, the classes? was just the first part. Okay, cool. <laughs>
1: So this is really interesting. it really it, yeah, it rains are all my memories, and, and then one part I remember is a whole um, slot of memories that I thought didn't have anything to do with me. Mm-hmm. and I remember thinking like what what's going on? Like I have no idea what this is about, and I don't know if that was past life or, or what that had to do with, but you know the eight, eight hours goes by in an instant mm. and uh, the I gain lasts in your system about seventy-two hours. Mm-hmm. So, um, after eight or hours, you go back to your room to kind of process, and you know that was really enjoyable because you know you're still getting the visuals and and. Um, Are you processing on your own or with a nurse? Or something? just on your own? Okay, on your own. Yeah there 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 was no counseling, no group, mm-hmm. no everything was just you know concentrate on your own spiritual path. Sure. And then. Um, you know, I got to sleep late, and then the next day, it was extremely emotional, mm. and um, it was just all kinds of memories bubbling up, and, you know, things I had, you know, kind of remember what I'd forgot about. I'd forgot really about their impact, and so I was, you know, kind of in a state of depression the next day, the mm-hmm. entire next day. And then the following day, I remember waking up, um, and just the first breath I remember taking, I felt lighter. Hmm. Um, you know, the other people there, you know, commented on my skin tone and mm-hmm. my eyes. Like a glow, almost. Light. Basically, it was a somatic therapy, and it had removed this huge amount of trauma that I had been in. And, and they tell you there that you're going to find out why you're an addict. right and it took me you know it took me some time to really think about and a lot of writing but i did you know i realized the specific trauma that that i i couldn't deal with mm-hmm. and i had been suppressing ever since
0: so that that's second day the day after when you went into like this depressive emotional state you were you with were traumatic uh, memories right just, you were you were f- For the first time in a long time, allowing yourself the space to actually think about that stuff and Mm -hmm. process it. And it almost like the the Ibogaine selected the specific Mm -hmm. ones you had to look at, but in a clear headed space. Mm -hmm. And then the next day you felt like, oh man, this is a huge weight off my back. A huge weight. That's awesome. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I, I got a similar sense from doing a, a fourth and fifth step in the 12 steps where you, you know, you put down all your resentments and then you share them with your sponsor, um, that felt really good to kind of forgive everybody for ever harming me because I was holding on to a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and that was part of my addiction, um, and then the ninth step where I go make amends for everybody, um, For everything I did, that was a big load off my back too because I said, okay, finally I cleaned up my side of the mess. I start from square one. Now it's just up to me not to fuck it up, right, or to to thrive and to prove to everyone that I could do this. Um, Yeah, that's amazing though.
1: Yeah, and what – the thing is, um, you know, what surprised me is how much of it had been suppressed beyond my consciousness. So even if I had done therapy and all these – you know. It may have happened it
0: probably would have taken years to get there to even access it right because so, yeah you you have those survival mechanisms in place
1: so you know the power of these plants are just you can't even describe them
0: mm-hmm. man so it brought up this one trauma that that you could nail down your addiction like this is the source this is yeah the i remember it, it,
1: cha- it totally changed my spirit
0: mm. it, it so once you identified it, were you did it also give you a message of like how to how to go about fixing it or how to go about leading a life? I think the plant to, fixed
1: it. The, the plant, plant okay just know, removed it. Yeah. Like for, an energy block. Yeah, like a, a somatic release. Yeah. You know, because trauma or and emotions are stored in, in your body. Yeah, and cellular in cellular tissues and in, in DNA. In water, yeah. Yeah. And, and in frequency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it seemed to just release it. I mean
0: call it an easy way out, but <laughs> But it worked. Yeah. And so your story i mean we talked about it at the beginning like we hear all these stories about these miraculous comebacks right your story is that um but you're saying that a lot of a lot more went into it than just showing up high on heroin right like you had to you had to have all these you had to have your mind right, right. you had to have your body detoxified and your body right mm-hmm. in order to even go through the ordeal at all right because the plants are you
1: know, both ayahuasca and aboriginal are incredibly powerful detoxing agents. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you show up and your body's full of toxins, it's gonna work on the physical plane first. Mm-hmm. I mean, it will detox you, but it, it's gonna hurt. Right. And I, I'm just guessing. I don't know this, but I think, you know, the spiritual detox would probably suffer or take, you know. You know, more
0: ceremonies. Sure, or more depth. Um, yeah, I. I know in, you know, in peyote and ayahuasca ceremonies, it's very common for for what what's called the purge to happen, right? Where you either vomit or you have diarrhea, and this is the body's natural way to purge those physical toxins, right? right? And um in both of those ceremonies I participated in uh in, you know, lots of people go through this experience and it's seen as a very very spiritual thing. Like, you know, um it's taken very seriously, especially in peyote ceremonies where they actually have a worker in the tent just to clean up, clean up and bless it outside, so it never returns to you, right? So um, it's seen in this spiritual vein as a cleansing. But for myself, um, I've done very little purging um, in either of those types of ceremonies, um, and I've always wondered why. You know, is it because I have a strong stomach? Is it because I'm not taking enough? Like, what's going on? Maybe that's it. Because I, I, I live a fairly clean. Eating lifestyle with plenty of vitamins you know I get my blood levels taken things like that um, maybe I'm able to access those spiritual levels because the body's already taken care of mm-hmm. so that's what you're saying that the detox is for is to balance the body so that the medicine doesn't have to work on that plane at right. all hopefully mm-hmm. and just go straight to the spiritual mm-hmm. yeah so it removed this trauma uh, how many doses did you do over over your stay there
1: uh, just It was just the one, uh, you know, the, the five shots of began over eight hours, mm-hmm. and then it stays, you know, the next day you can still feel it. It stays in your system about 72 hours, but, it, you know, it works on you. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's still working on me. Yeah, for sure. You know. Yeah. So. And, yeah. and then um, uh, we, we did DMT there, or the smokable version. Mm-hmm. And then DMT. Mhm yeah and i for me it was just kind of an intro to ayahuasca you know it was so short i didn't really
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know i didn't get much out of it but that was fine and then um at the end you know we did an ayahuasca ceremony or or three ceremonies mhm so
0: it was a combined methodology mm-hmm. and th- that's that's pretty awesome that they they have that option mm-hmm. um so, yeah, I I mean, for me, DMT is its completely different, my experiences, than my ayahuasca experiences, um, mostly because it is so short and I can bring very little information back. Right, that, um, that was my experience. But, yeah, and the ayahuasca, I mean, DMT is considered what's called the businessman's trip, so you can do it for 15 minutes on your lunch break <laughs> and return to work completely normal and completely sober, right? Whereas ayahuasca is like an all-night ceremony, you know, you're under for a while, Um, you're in this inner DMT space for a long time um, because of the combination of the root and the vine. And um, so it was completely different for me because I could bring a lot more information back, I was shown a lot more um, clear answers to my questions, and that was one thing about my experiences. I need to go in with questions, very specific questions, Mm -hmm. because the medicine and the spirit of the medicine will give you the answers. The answers are from within, and that's what this medicine is pulling out from you, or the answers, and self-healing and all this stuff. And I think that's part of the reason also why it's been um, propagandized against, is because Modern medicine and and pharmacology doesn't want to have to compete with um, people trying to self heal rather care, than yeah. right rather than being you know on this continuous regimen and diet. The business is addiction. That, that exactly. is their business. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, tell me about the about the ayahuasca. Was this your first experience with ayahuasca? Uh,
1: this this was my first experience with ayahuasca, and nice. you know, I, it's very hard to describe to people, but. I mean, what I can say is probably the most profound, you know, amazing experience of my entire life. Mm -hmm. Um, The intentions I went in with, you know, I really kept an open mind, but uh, I kept it to the basics, you know, show me what I need to see, Mm -hmm. and, you know, please facilitate healing. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't have any anxiety or fear. Um, I think it depends on the person. You know, if you're really willing to just let go, mm-hmm. then you, you don't really have problems. But if you try and stay in the driver's seat, then you know. Sure,
0: you have to. It's gonna take you out of
1: the driver's seat.
0: And that's the the main reason for a facilitator of some sort in in proper psychedelic therapy is that you have that peace of mind that your your physical body will be kept safe. You know, you're not going to jump out of a window. You're not going to self-harm yourself because there's someone there to take care of you. Mm-hmm. And so you're able to let go of the body more and go deeper into the mind or spirit space. Yeah,
1: and it, it was it was one-on-one with a shaman. And it, I just remember thinking, I cannot believe this is real, that this is happening. You know, what what the shaman was doing and, you know, moving through the fourth and fifth dimension, it was, I couldn't, it was just... You know you can't put words on it mm-hmm. it's just beyond you know anything you've ever seen or imagined or seen on in movies or it, it was it was amazing <clears throat> but um you know he he did the the chants and the singing the ikaros i think mm-hmm. they're called and um he also played uh like indian mantras
2: hmm. and, very cool
1: and it seemed like um the music would kind of change and it would it seemed to be tied to kind of your epiphanies. Mhm. Yeah, totally. And and it really showed me how um, how powerful tones are. You know, for example, like crystal bowls. Yeah. You know, I always singy bowls. Mhm. Mm-hmm. I always knew that, you know, that they worked on some level, but it really showed me like that's it.
0: It's have tones. You, have you heard about um these these ideas out there uh that Monks used to be able to move huge stones with uh, these with these sounds. Um, have you heard about that kind of stuff? That, like that and also that they're actually creating places in the fourth
1: and fifth dimension through their chanting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. The I think they're called mandalas. They're mandala. Yeah. Yeah, those are two dimensional representations of
0: multiple what, dimensions. What right?
1: they're what they're actually places they're actually creating in the astral plane.
0: Wow, and by creating do you mean like they're engineering these spaces Yeah, and going in almost like a computer program. And maintaining, right. Wow, that is intense. That's like having a a Minecraft game going on in your brain but simultaneously you're there at the same time. That's so intense. (laughs) That's so awesome. Things
1: are going on on different dimensions that people
0: really need to wake up to.
1: That's a big thing. That's what I'm trying
0: to do. Sure. Yeah, that's a big thing that I noticed through these sessions, too, is that music and tones played a huge difference, whether it was the singing or the drum beat or, um, you know, specifically uh, chosen um, music to drive emotion, you know. Um, well, for example, yeah.
1: your organs vibrate at a specific fre- frequency. That's why they're called an organ, like you play. Oh, really? hmm So each organ vibrates or at a organ- different frequency. Organism, that's a frequency.
0: Wow. So each organ is different, and if you need to like target like a liver issue... Right,
1: that would be you know, like Rife uh, Technology. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I'm it. not. Yeah, he, he worked through the turn of the century, and he basically used frequency to uh, you know, heal people with different
0: ailments, mm-hmm. but it was based on frequency alone. Well, it makes sense. Ultrasound is frequency, mm-hmm. right? And that's healing um, on a specific frequency for those tissues.
1: He was another one where you know, the Pentagon wrapped Um, up all his research sure yeah because of the dual use you know they want to use everything for weaponry sure just like tesla you know and
0: we have sound weapons today Mm -hmm. it will totally incapacitate people right yeah that's intense um some of my favorite ceremonies have had um didgeridoos in them um that's one of my favorite did you notice the music changing
1: kind of at all, or being in correlation with kind of your your thoughts and feelings
0: you know i don't know which one comes before the other i don't know uh, I have a more of a a sense that I think the music affects my visualization and my my emotional response more so than the other way around. you know so that's why when I go on my own journeys, um, I specifically pick um, musical tracks depending on how I want to feel. Um, and when I know I'm gonna peak right. and things, so I'll make more intense, like climatic music, so I know I can push really deep. Yeah, the during... the tones are yeah a, a huge piece of this. Yeah, there's no doubt. And so they use those on you too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, the those Icaros are amazing too. Yeah, I, I can't imagine singing those. Can you? And I've given this a, a little bit of thought, but have, can you even imagine like taking some of these substances like? ayahuasca or whatever just like recreationally in your basement without any of the ceremony that goes along with it I can't even imagine that I think you're asking for trouble I know that would be hell like because I, I know yeah you know <clears throat> the
1: shaman can actually see what you're seeing yeah and he can kind of brush away negativity unless it's you know like the trauma that you need to face like useful yeah mm-hmm. for your journey but he would he would do things like you know, blow smoke on you, or, or he would open and shut the, the back door at certain times. And I think he's, you know, it's a detoxing, so you're actually detoxing yourself also from spiritual predators. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was part, of, I never asked him, but I'm just assuming, you know, that's part of the detoxing and, and letting those spirits
0: How out. Letting them out,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed like he could almost hear what I was thinking. Because he would laugh at certain times when I would come to a conclusion or, or clear his throat at certain times. It was, it was unbelievable. Profound, right?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And, it, and <clears throat> the other thing I really remember um, was how profound the emotions were. You know, it was really working on my emotions, and I felt emotions that I have never felt before. Mm-hmm. And the, the first time, I felt like I had walked into heaven. Like I was mm-hmm. being, like I was floating around by my heart. Is kind of how I it's blissed described. out. Yeah, and it and what that showed me was like, this is what you have inside. And it was showing me, you know, compared to narcotics, like mm-hmm. they're a joke. Sure. <laughs> so that's one one thing I took away that was.
0: So it showed you, sort of, that you can generate this ultimate feeling bliss, from within. yeah, nirvana whatever at you any call time it, you
1: want. Samadhi. Right, yeah.
0: and that's what what we uh, as addicts often seek after is that bliss experience, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's called chasing the dragon. Sometimes you you never experience that high ever again, but that's what I found through meditation as well. Meditation can take me to some of those places. Jiu-jitsu, when I find myself in like flow states on the mat um, and my mind is just perfectly clear and my body feels amazing, I'm moving twice as fast as my opponent, like it feels like I'm altering dimensions like and you I, are yeah exactly <laughs> it's, it's so cool to experience that yeah and, you're blurring the lines. and so I've done some experimentation with um micro and jujitsu and stuff and find that I can hold flow states much longer um that my balance is much better my somatic uh responses is much better um, because it enhances my my sense of touch um strength gains uh at least I think there's strength gains um better visual perception um you know it seems like better cardio sometimes um, but just all around more flow mm-hmm. in it and that's sort of my interest for future research uh, because uh, you know um, silicon valley has been using it so long to enhance cognitive stuff for right. for tech mm-hmm. companies um, and i know that there's other athletes out there especially in the extreme athletes uh, using micro doses for a long time to enhance performance i mean I heard a report from one of my uh, friends who's an ex-game snowboarder. He said most of those competitors on competition day are or on something. Yeah, a huh. microdose of something. That's interesting. Um, that
1: I hadn't encountered.
0: Yeah, so um, we see it all the time, and but there's no studies on it. It's all anecdotal. But I've never heard anybody say that they're worse off from it. So that's also interesting. Another interesting application for some of these things on a, on a smaller level. Yeah. But for the healing, it seems like large doses are most effective. That's what we're finding in, in a lot of the research with psilocybin and LSD. Like Not massive doses, but there's there's definitely an optimal range. But mm-hmm. it's usually, in order to have a breakthrough spiritual experience, you have to uh, go past a certain threshold, which is considered a higher dose. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So not so much healing from the microdoses,
1: at, at least yeah, I yet. Think, but... I think you could use microdosing, you know... For recovery and maintenance, possibly, but, you know, ibogaine and ayahuasca are much harder to
0: acquire. So when did you do your your treatment? This was about a year ago. A year ago? And you haven't had any treatment since? No. Okay, and then since you left that place, tell me about cravings, triggers, thoughts of addiction, you know, how has your life changed in in that sense? It's
1: it's changed, um, you know, when I was... In so-called recovery in the past, you know, you constantly have the evil spirits, Mm -hmm. you know, barking in your brain. It's just endless. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason it takes so much energy, you know, because you're you're trying to keep your... You're trying to stay distracted and, you know, hopefully use healthier habits. But it's still requiring a massive amount of energy.
2: Yeah.
1: And... um. The difference now is that it's just natural. It's easy. Mm-hmm. Like you feel it requires you, much less energy. Yeah, you feel like a normal person. the The other difference is, um, you know, it enhances your your spiritual connection with other people. So in the past, even when I was clean, I didn't really feel connected to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I do. And I, you know. I think that makes a huge difference.
0: Absolutely. Well, we're finding that in addictions research, too, that connection is the opposite of addiction, not abstinence. Right. So if you have that, and number one, connection to yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Connection to yourself as who you are at your core, your truth, but also connection to a higher power, something greater than yourself. It could be nature. It can be um, whatever, a group of people. Um or, and then connection to community connection to your country connection to the world um, you know going outside for a walk and really connecting with nature outside a blade of grass you know if you can really feel that which these these psychedelics really open you up to that you know i don 't know if you got to go outside or anything uh, no on, it, was, it, it was all inner space I got to interact <laughs> with with some trees once on an ayahuasca uh, near the end of it as you're coming down a little bit, but it was pure bliss just. You know, put my hand on the tree, and I could feel the pulse of the tree, um, and sure. the tree was trying to communicate something with me. I just didn't know its language, right? right. Well, you know, you just had forgotten, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, I've I've lost. We we a lot of us. Have we'll lost get that there. Kind of yeah, we'll get back there. <laughs> um, so yeah, that connection piece is so important too. Um, you know, I run an opiate addiction clinic, and we run groups, group therapy, and mm-hmm. that's really what it's about: is connect with other people. You know, um, these addictions are isolating. Disorders, diseases, you know, they they progress to a point where we're using all the time in isolation. Yeah, that's then, where I was, yeah. And then if you continue that same mindset when you get sober and you continue to isolate because you're afraid of all the triggers out there, like, it's going to lead back to addiction. Yeah. Um, you have to socialize. You have to get reconnected. And that's painful sometimes. Sometimes yeah, it's Yeah, because socializing hard.
1: can be a trigger, you know. Yeah, a absolutely. Of, a lot of addictive social anxiety. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, so that yeah, connection just, for you was important, and after these experiences, you came back and you started reconnecting. Yeah, immediately. Yeah, it was.
1: Um, I just, you know, I, I, I can't see how people do it without these plants. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could ever have done it. Wow. I mean, they're just that that powerful.
0: They are. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but for me. Um, I like to say jiu-jitsu saved my life I mean that's a slogan out there in the jiu-jitsu community but it literally did yeah like for me um, having a mastery experience having something in your life that you wake up and and it gives you meaning and purpose and something to work towards every day that's not the nine-to-five job stuff but it's something that you're truly passionate about you know that was also missing when I was addicted Mm -hmm. you know and so by incorporating that now like, there's no way I could do jiu if I even had a drink in me, no. right? It's not conducive to addiction right. at all. And so that also helps support uh, my decision not to use because I can't do what I love if I'm using, you know. So for me, reconnecting with jiu early in sobriety was vital, and I did that, and I've stuck with it. Um, for you, I mean, you were you went through your church well, a year ago know, when you yeah. came back. I, I tried... Uh... You know, I started
1: Jiu-Jitsu with the same intent, mm-hmm. but, you know, Jiu-Jitsu alone wasn't enough.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, but now, So the know, connection that you got on the mat was not enough? Yeah. Or you weren't connecting the I, you way know, you needed to?
1: Well, I wasn't, in in both respects, you know, I wasn't connecting to the people there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Even though they're great people, you just, it's that weird isolation. Like, you, f- you feel like people, you can't really associate people unless they're an addict. You know,
0: because right, they just won't understand. Yeah, they just
1: don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, I don't feel that way at all. Yeah. And jujitsu also is a, a huge part of my maintenance, if
0: you yeah. call it that. Well, that's what I love about this sport is, there's so many sports out there that you literally can go through a whole game and not touch another person, right? But in jujitsu, you're constantly in contact with somebody else, sharing you know, as gross as it sounds, sharing sweat, sharing (laughs) fluid, sharing, you know, bacteria and all this stuff, you know, um, but we go, but we're also sharing the pain, Mm -hmm. we're sharing the challenge, we're sharing the game, the the chess game that's going on in our heads, we're sharing that on a 3D dimension, right? And sometimes in a fourth and fifth dimension, you Mm -hmm. know, if we're thinking ahead to multiple possibilities, these things exist out there, right? And then we just choose the best option. and trying to implement these new cosmic mindsets into your jujitsu, you know having come back from those spaces have you noticed a change in your mindset as far as your I've your noticed a game? huge a
1: huge change and also you know I've got I get better much faster
0: now you soak up more you learn right. faster mm-hmm.
1: Wow and I'm not sure exactly you know what that's attributed to but I really think that the plants continue to work on you absolutely um and i try and stay in contact you know with meditation i'm I'm really trying to expand my you know my ability to to go different places through meditation to open chakras Mm -hmm. to access knowledge um you know everything that's done through the plants can be done
0: through meditation sure the plants just kind of show you that you're capable of mm-hmm. it, right? And that's why monks kind of devote so much time to meditation, mm-hmm. because they are reaching these fifth dimensions, these DMT planes that we we're not able to re-access. You know, we all have that capability, right? So,
1: so you know, it's it's opened yeah. up a huge, you know, universe as far as yeah, you know, all the answers are within.
0: That's uh, that's funny that you use that term. Um, for the audience, you guys can't see this, but I'm pulling out this this picture, depiction of a, sort of a, a theory of mind um, and of existence that I've been playing around with in, in my head uh, that was kind of – it was re- revealed to me through a psychedelic um, experience. But in the middle, I've drawn just a stick figure because I'm a horrible um, <laughs> artist, but there's these two uh, – like a 45-degree um, angles coming out from the person on both sides, symmetrical, uh, almost like in butterfly wing shape. And then on one side is um, the infinity symbol, and it's labeled outer space. So this is everything that we see outside of ourselves, that we experience outside of ourselves. And then on the opposite side, mirrored, is this infinite inner space, and that's what it's labeled as inner space. And so this idea that I'm playing with is that I believe that our outer space, what we perceive, is not real. We think it's real but that's not the real reality. The reality is the inner space. The outer space is merely just a projection of our inner space. It's the collective conscious and the collective unconscious. Exactly. Yeah, It's an agreed-upon state. Yeah, and it's an, it's an infinite state just like our inner space is infinite, right? We can explore our, our inner space infinitely. And then at the bottom I have here written that I believe um, possible mastery of self or mastery of maybe uh, our existence could, could be playing on this idea of non-duality between the inner and outer space, that they exist simultaneously, that they, they communicate with each other and influence each other, that they're not really separate at all, that the inner space is the outer space, and the outer right. space is the inner space. I've
1: heard it said when you look up at the stars, you're actually looking inside yourself.
0: I've heard that too, mm-hmm. yeah, something similar to that. Yeah, maybe that's why...
1: I don't know. It's it's the universe within. Everybody does have a a solar system inside their body. Entire
0: universe, mm -hmm. yeah. But how deep do people actually even explore it? Most people. What do you think?
1: Uh, I think it's a very small percentage
0: of people. I agree. And the possibility out there. Yeah, and so finding this balance between... I mean, we can't discount the outer experience either, right? Because it's a shared experience. Mm-hmm. Our inner experience is not shared. It's ours and ours alone um, in in one sense. But this outer experience, it's a gift to us because we finally get to share our inner experience. I get to share my inner experience with your inner experience right now. And that's what this podcast is all about, right? Is sharing these these conversations that we have inside of ourselves and putting them out there. To create something even greater, right? Because it is a reflection. I think that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I've... Uh, you know, Savon Bomar, who's a podcaster I listen to quite a bit, talks a lot about how all is self. So everything happening outside is happening inside.
0: Mm-hmm. Can you give an example or something that he gives?
1: Um, I mean, I think it's, in, it's something to contemplate in, in the broader sense. It's something you you know, think about on a daily basis Mm -hmm. as you try not to get caught in routines and patterns. Sure. It's almost like a... Try to maintain, you know, conscious awareness and and not, uh, you know, be asleep, basically.
0: Yeah. Stay woke. (laughs) Stay woke. Stay
1: woke. Even though most of the woke people are sleeping. (laughs) Yeah, right? The people
0: that think they're woke. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's funny that people who are really, truly awake, um, I mean... Most of us don't go around preaching to everybody we talk to about it, you know. Um, Initially, after these experiences, I want to tell everybody, Mm -hmm. you know. And I do tell quite a few people, but a lot of them are not turned on to this idea. Right. You you have to strategically
1: plant seeds.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And then it's up to the individual, you know, if their mind is going to cultivate that energy or not.
0: Right. Yeah, some of my shamans uh, have told me, you know, I don't want you to take this medicine unless you've been called to it. You know, unless unless you feel uh, in your core that this is what you need. You know, you don't take it with reservation, you know, um, going into it with both feet. So it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Spencer, I want to thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks um, for having me. It was a really fun conversation. I think so. Um, I think we covered a lot of really important topics to a lot of people. You know, there's a lot of people suffering out there, not only with substance abuse. A lot of ab- suffering. Yeah, not mm-hmm. just substance abuse um, and those kind of addictions, but addictions to emotions, addictions to T- people. To food. Addiction to food and sugar. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And those demons that, that, that drive those, um, you know, these substances could possibly work on those too. It Definitely. hasn't been really been studied, but mm-hmm. um, I would put faith in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to thank you for being on. Um, I want to remind our audience that we need to get the word out on, on these topics and hopefully generate more conversations like this out in the communities at large. Um, feel free to come up and talk to me about any of these topics. Um, if you want to reach out to myself or Spencer with any questions or comments, please go to www.mindops.com. That's M-I-N-D hyphen O-P-S dot com and leave your comments there. Um, I'll pass them on to Spencer. Um Please like and share our podcast. That's how we get the word out. Um, we, we don't take any funding from anybody yet, but we have, um, we have that option also available on our, um, on our podcast now. If you'd like to donate to help us eventually, um, I'm going to build a, a podcasting studio, um, get a couple microphones so we're not working off my cell phone. Um, Just to enhance the quality of the message that we put out there to all of you listeners. So thank you for listening. Um, Thank you, Spencer, for being here. Thanks for having Um, me. Hopefully we get to do it again sometime and and touch on other topics as well. Um, But until next time, uh, have a a wonderful day, and I'll see you on the mat, Spencer. All All right.